podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Zero Pucks Given, the UK ice hockey podcast. We are in partnership with Blades Belong on Your Feet, the charity fighting knife crime with ice skating all across the UK. And we are in partnership with Hockey Art Co., the clothing company for you hockey fans. Worn by the best, hated by the rest. Zero Pucks Given listeners get a 10% discount on everything on the Hockey Art Co. website. If you enter the code ZP10 upon checkout, you'll get your discount on anything that you like from their website. So go there and check it out once you finish listening to this, of course. This is episode 46, an absolute barnstorming episode for you after a crazy weekend of hockey in the Britain division. Just some outstanding results uh, to really that we're going to be going through now, match by match with those important coaches' thoughts as well. And then after that, we have a brilliant guest for this week. He's someone who I wanted to get on the podcast from the minute I started it. And finally, we've got him on. Stano Laschek is joining me to discuss his entire hockey career. So I look forward to that later. But let's start with those games from the Britain division, starting at the Sapphire with the Buccaneers against the Dynamos. A feisty start from both teams. And on 3.07, Stano Laschek took two-minute penalty for tripping. And in the resulting power play, the home side took the lead when Brindley Caps assisted Luca Pascali. And although Frenda may have appeared to keep it out, the refs gave the goal on 4.40. The Buccaneers had to kill a penalty soon after, but then found themselves pegged back when Ruskin Springer Hughes and Mads Thune assisted Chard for 1-1 on 13-30 even-handed. The first ended that way. Into the second, and the Dynamos came out on the front foot and took the lead when Saw assisted Stano Laszczek on 20-20. Shortly after that, most fans thought they'd extended their lead through Mads Thune, but the refs said no. At the other end, the home side then equalised on 25-28 when the first goal scorer and assister swapped places as Pascal laid on for Brindley Caps for 2-2. After some end-to-end play, the home side took the lead when Caps got his second goal unassisted and short-handed on 33-13. Caps immediately took a tripping penalty, which the Bucks killed, and then extended their lead further through Tom Wilson on 35-56 to make it 4-2. The second finished with a couple of penalties, so the third would start 4-on-4. As the third starters, the Dynamos swapped friend for rider, but the Buccaneers pushed again and extended their lead as young Brindley Caps scored his hat-trick, assisted by Elliot Dervish on 40-21. Dynamos reset and pulled one back through Huggett, assisted by Dell and Scott on 41-07. Seconds later, it was a one-goal game as Springer Hughes assisted Tom Saw on 41-35 to make it 5-4. On 44-16, Pascali took two for cross-checking and on the resulting power play, the Dynamos drew level when Owen Dell, assisted by Lastrek, made it 5-5. The incredible third period continued when the Dynamos completed the comeback with Springer Hughes and Lastrek assisting McCallan to put the Moes ahead on 50-24. Some calm set in for a few minutes, then both teams killed separate penalties. After a timeout was called, Rumford pulled Sonny Phillips. However, the Moes grabbed a buzzer-beating empty net out on 59-57 through Tom Saw. An incredible victory for him, Victor, but showing that Rumford cannot be underestimated and they'll look to get some points on the board when they head to Chelmsford on Sunday night. The Dynamos will host the Slough Jets on Sunday evening with some heavy legs, I'm sure, after this hard-working win. The inform Slough Jets host the Chieftains at the hangar and the blue touch paper was lit early on just six minutes when Lewis English and Jay King disagreed and both sat for five, English the extra two for instigation. Once the teams were even-handed again, the visitors took the lead when Pentecost and the returning Damon Porter assisted Sasha Moltsev for 1-0 on 9-11. Just after the goal, the Jets had a power play chance after Reed sat for two for delay of game, but the Chieftains killed that off. The Jets did equalise, however, on 16.03 when Drelin and Holocker laid on for Jacob Soper for 1-1. 
Almost immediately after the restart, Ollie Baldock assisted Damon Porter, the Canadian getting his second goal of the season on 16-24. The Chieftains kept the pressure on and scored again when Pentecost and Grant Bartlett assisted Cam Bartlett, who smashed the Chieftains into a 3-1 lead on 16-46, three goals in just 43 seconds. The Jets managed to rekindle some of their earlier energy and pulled a goal back on 17-48 through Carl Bradburn, assisted by Cathcart. End of the first was 3-2. Into the second and an early holding penalty for Cam Bartlett saw the Jets have a power play chance and capitalise on it as Minter and Lingren assisted Jack Goodchild, continuing his fine scoring run on 21-37, power play goal. Shortly after the goal, Cam Bartlett returned to the box for roughing, but the Chieftains special teams held strong. Seconds after returning to full strength, the game swung back the way of the visitors after Jordan Lorde assisted Damon Porter for his second of the night, even-handed, 26-28. Exactly two minutes later, it was five after Dan Fay fed Maltsev and he dangled a lovely finish across Brett Massey on 28-28. Right on the halfway point of the period, Bradbury took two for high sticks and in the resulting power play, the Chiefs scored again when a familiar power play line reaped the rewards after Bartlett Twins laid up the groundwork for Ollie Baldock to score on 30-11. With the teams back even, the Jets were unable to stop the bleeding through their defence and found themselves four goals behind when James Pentecost got third apple of the evening, assisting Grant Bartlett on 31-47. The Jets made a big call and pulled Massey, putting McGibbon in the pipes. The Chieftains had two further power play opportunities in the second, but it finished 7-3. Into the third, and Spittles' team came out flying and made it a three-goal game when Jack Goodchild got his second on 41-49. A few minutes later, and Lewis Clifford's side scored again as Jay King, who seems to have found a scoring touch in South 1, as he smashed in from the blue line for 8-5 at 44-55, assisted by Maltsev and Logan Prince. The drama wasn't quite finished there. A few penalties for each side, resulting in a 58-minute scrap that saw English get five-plus game for fighting, Lingon get two for interference for Jets, Grant Bartlett get five for fighting, Dan Fay two for roughing, and Richie Pickering two for interference. The game finished a feisty affair as usual, and these two games will swap Sunday night as the Jets travel to the Moes and the Chieftains host the Buccaneers. But Sunday evening, we will start at the Oxpens as the Stars look to get their season jump-started with a visit from the Solent Devils. Both sides created early chances at the rammed Oxford Ice Arena, but the Netties started on top. Solent got a power play opportunity on 8-10 when Bundock took two for interference. However, the Stars killed it off. Hullaby and Perella Fox both sat for hooking on 11-12 and just before their release were joined by Joe Llewellyn and Darcy Flanagan after their 13th minute disagreement. Despite swapping a couple more penalties, the first remained 0-0. Into the second and very early good work from Dylan Hullaby forced the puck over the line but no goal was called due to a simultaneous infringement whereby Hatfield sat for two for hooking. On that power play, the Devils pressed their advantage and took the lead through Cloutman, assisted by Lackey and Alex Cole on 21-17. A few minutes later, and it was two when Alex Cole assisted again along with Wedge to allow Forsyth to stretch the lead to 2-0 on 24-51. This did produce a reaction from the home side as they rallied and quickly pulled one back through Harry Hatfield on 25-26. Bundock went close to equalising moments later. On 27.45, Cole sat for two for charging, and in the resulting power play, Hatfield and Hullaby assisted Matt Lorde for 2-2 on 28.35. The Stars kept the pressure up, with Holiday and Lorde both going close in the final minute of the period. The visitors stole the impetus when Osman assisted Mason Wilde on 39.35 to boost the Devils going into the break. The third saw Oxford try to push down the sides and create chances, but the final pass was eluding them. Both sides swapped minor penalties, but it was the visitors that killed the game out when Osmond scored on a breakaway, assisted by Russell on 57.04. The Stars had a big chance in the final 90 seconds after Lackey received two for charging, but even with an empty net and six on four, the Stars couldn't force a goal, so it finished 4-2 to the visitors. After the game, the coaches gave me their thoughts, starting with Oxford City Stars head coach Simon Anderson. Yeah, we were disappointed with the, with the result, obviously, um, but performance-wise, I thought we were excellent, you know, and we worked a lot on practice on Wednesday on our structure and our breakout, and, um, you know, I thought we, we executed that perfectly. Um, the boys definitely deserve more from from what they got from the game. I felt we were the better team in, in a large for large spells, and um, we just couldn't quite put the puck in the net at times, you know, and um, sometimes that happens, you know, when down the bottom of the league, you don't get a lot of luck, you know, we had a couple of bounces go against us as well. But, you know, on the, the bigger picture, you know, it was really pleasing to see our work from Wednesday in practice come to fruition, you know, and if we can just keep that going over the next couple of weeks, uh, I mean, we are going to win some games for sure. 
Um, this is a big month for us, you know, and uh, we just need to knuckle down now and, and bring that same level of intensity um, and the same um, game plans, and uh, yeah, we'll be fine. Impressed with his size performance, player coach Alex Murray gave me his thoughts. Yeah, obviously, uh, the weekend's a good result for us, bouncing back after our defeat to Slough. I think Oxford has uh, got off to a bit of a difficult start, but we know that we always, you know, have a great game up at the Oxpens, and uh, they're a great team, and Simon's a great coach, so we knew that it was going to be a difficult one, and we've had some difficult fixtures up there in the past few years, but uh, even missing Sutz and a couple other guys in the lineup, I think the guys that stepped up played really well. Um, we had goals throughout our lineup. Um, you know, went into a 2-0 lead, and again, a little bit of uh, you know a lack of responsibility, accountability in the in late in the second saw us, you know, concede two goals, and uh, if it wasn't for a late you know, a late third goal for us in the second. You know, we, we're facing similar problems sort of done in the first two games of the year. That said, you know, we did show a bit, you know, a bit more maturity in the third and I felt we, we controlled the game better and, you know, we limited their space. We took away the middle of the rink and uh, ultimately got our fourth late in the game on a bit of a counter-attack and, and saw that game out 4-2, you know. Ultimately, I was really impressed with the guys. Aaron in goal with another great performance and, and the team's really starting to gel, and I think, you know, guys are filling in roles that you know they haven't been used to, and and um, you know we're just going to get better and stronger. Uh, this Thursday we go back to training in readiness for for Chelmsford, who started off the season well. We know they're going to be a good team, so um, we'll get we'll get working on some more systems and uh, be ready for them. On, on to the Riverside Sunday night as the Chieftains hosted the Romford Buccaneers. A lively start as the Chieftains pushed into the offensive zone very early, but a breakaway by Rumford with Tamarlin and Pascali saw Brindley Caps come from behind the goal to backhand inside Frains near post, not the way he'd imagined his first home start going on 37 seconds. On 3.47, the Chieftains have a power play opportunity, but Rumford dug in defensively and limited the Chieftains to pot shots. Any time the point was penetrated, Sonny Phillips stood very strong. The end of the first saw the Bucks take a bench penalty for too many men on 1950, so they knew they'd start the second on the penalty kill. After killing off the bench penalty, a Romford attack caused a goal scramble, which resulted in Courtney Grant ripping a wrist shot into the top corner for 2-0 at 23.07. The home side seemed to get themselves together, and a nice touch from Rayner in the neutral zone sent Fillery flying towards the Romford net. His deke to the right slipped out of his reach, but Sasha Maltsev was able to just poke it inside the post for 2-1 on 24.57. It looked as though it was the turning point for the home side until a cross-ice pass was intercepted by Luca Pascal setting Brindley Caps free on the odd man rush and he calmly slotted past Frayne for his second for 3-1 on 28-44. Moments later, the Bucks smelling blood in the water packed their offensive zone and moved further ahead with a close-range finish from Brindley Caps for his second hat-trick of the weekend on 29-08. Chieftains reacted by pulling Ethan Frayne and Jordan Lorde took his place in the pipes. Despite some attacking pressure, the home side rarely troubled Phillips's goal and couldn't seem to get any fluidity in the passing. The latter pass of the second saw Chieftain's Cam Bartlett take a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct and Tamarlin take a five-minute penalty for boarding on Alan Lack. And just as the period was closing out, a break in the 4-on-4 four four from Pascali and Dervish fed Donald Campbell, who finished neatly for 5-1 on 39-02. Into the third and the swashbuckling Buccaneers would surely have had last night's game on their mind, after they succumbed to five unanswered goals from a similar position. But their defence held incredibly strong, especially special teams, after Chieftains had numerous power play chances. However, the Chieftains did fire back when a scramble across the point left the puck at the feet of Cam Bartlett, who fired top shelf for 5-2. The Chelmsford side looked to push their advantage after Campbell sat for two for a cross-check on 54-01, but in the power play, an interception by Caps saw him go out alone in the offensive zone, before sliding the puck across to Joe Tamarlin and the former Chelmsford junior put the tie beyond any doubt with a short-handed goal on 55-39. The final second saw some confrontation in the Bucks' D zone, words exchanged between a few culminating in a rare goalie fight as a fully pumped-up Sonny Phillips confronted Jay King. However, Jordan Lorde made it goalie on goalie, both players sticking up for their teammates but a confrontation that could probably have been avoided. Local rivalries spilling over after such an emphatic victory for the visitors. After the game, Jason Buckman gave me his thoughts on their weekend and finally getting some points on the board. Mixed results for the Buccaneers at the weekend. Um, going down 7-5 at home Saturday to Invicta was disappointing. Um, 
I certainly felt like uh, we could have got something out of that game. Um, being 5-2 up and controlling large parts of the game. Felt uh, a few unnecessary calls from the referee. Um, didn't exactly go in our favour and that opened the door um, for Invicta to find a way back into the game. Um, going into Sunday and the uh, the derby against Chelmsford, uh, I was full of confidence from, from the, the previous night's game and I think the guys... Uh, Brought their best game also Sunday. I thought they were fantastic in all areas of the ice and all across the lineup. Um, Chelmsford's are never Chelmsford's never an easy place to go and play. Um, difficult team to play against, and the derby um, heightens the occasion even more. Um, so to come away with uh, um, quite a convincing victory was was uh, um, very promising and. Um, Hopefully, gives this team a lot of confidence moving forward into the next games. The final game of the weekend was down at the stables as Slough Jets looked to put Saturday night behind them whilst Invicta Dynamos were searching for a four point weekend. A fast start saw the scoring start early as Lingren assisted Carl Bradburn on 2.22. The goal seemed to calm the game down and both sides spent the first trying to gain ground on each other. The Jets outshooting the home side 22 to 10. Into the second and the Moes had to kill off an early penalty before getting a chance themselves after Goodchild sat for slashing. On that power play, Bronningman and Laschek laid on for Owen Dell to equalise on 27-39. A big hit from Christian Moore led to Samaji Baji seeing Moore and Springer Hughes sit for five each on 34-53. As the period closed out, Bradburn stole the puck from the outside edge of the right circle and smashed it high inside riders near post to give the Jets the lead on 38-32. The Jets pushed again straight from the restart and stretched their lead on 39-10 when Rosarm and Goodchild assisted Sebi Moore for 3-1. Into the third and the Slough Jets certainly found their flight path and moved further ahead on 44-06 when Hemmings Mayer laid on for Lingren to make it 4-1. The Moes had to kill a 5-on-3 and did so very well before Christian Moore sat for holding on 47-13. However, Goodchild broke away and Sebi Moore notched the shorty to put the results seemingly out of the reach of the Dynamos. They did pull one back later when Laschek and Dell assisted Tom Saw on 59-47, but the result stayed Dynamo's 2, Jets 5. And after the game, Carl Lennon gave me his thoughts on an up-and-down weekend for his side. We had a weekend where we didn't really meet our expectations um, as a club. And I mean that in terms of our performance, our attitude, our application. It was off from what I expect from us as a group. We really didn't wake up until the third period on Saturday against Romford. I think they, for the bulk of the game, were the dominant team, the better team. And I had to make some radical changes and um, you know, line alterations in the third period in order to spark something different out of the, the team to get the job done. Thankfully, we did manage to put together a very solid third period and five unanswered goals gave us the two points that, honestly speaking, I don't really think we fully deserved. I thought Jason and his team were fantastic on the night. They really pushed us very hard and um, probably deserved a little bit more out of the game than, than what they got. Um, Sunday, we knew we had to be better in ourselves against Slough and uh, the performance on Saturday just wouldn't cut it against them. Uh, we lost Tommy Huggett very early on. Um, in fact, I think it was an injury carrying over from the day before. Um, and that disrupted the lines, of course, um, right off the bat. And we never really got comfortable in the game. And that's complete credit to Lucas and his team. They were excellent from the start to the finish and fully deserved their win. Um, we have no qualms about that at all. Their energy um, in the game in terms of that high intensity and the pressing that they do just kept pressure on us all night long. And we never really adapted or, or settled with it at all. Despite you know having you know some very experienced players on our roster, we we just didn't cope very well with that. Um, and I'd like to say that that came unaware, but we knew that they were coming with that pressure. Um, that's how they play. We see that in in all of the performances we had against them last last season. And I addressed that with the team beforehand. Um, but there's addressing and there's understanding, I guess, and the two different things. And for some reason, we just didn't. Uh, adapt. We kept trying to take the individual approach as opposed to the collective, which is something that I've never really 
discussed as a as a coach with the team. I'm very much a, a team player myself in the past, and would expect the players to 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 do the same thing. So I was left incredibly frustrated by the performance um, and the missed opportunity. You know, we start the season now three and two when we could have been four and one, which is a much better scenario. So uh, credit to them. They were better than us on the night and we didn't deserve a win yesterday, not by a long stretch. And now we have to sit on that loss for the next two weeks, which is going to be a a tough two weeks, but two weeks that we can prepare. We don't have a game next weekend, so we, we have you know, four practices now before we go into the game uh, away from home against Streatham. And uh, we obviously will have to be a world apart from the performances that we, we put up this weekend in order to compete with them. So that's the focus now. Um, what's done is done. It's behind us and we can only look forward and that's what we'll do and prepare for those games um, upcoming now in the right way. That is the match reports all done with. I'd love to hear your opinions on this weekend's games, some mad results and some keen talking points in there. But now onto our guest, one of the most loved imports in British ice hockey, the man, the legend, the beard, Stano Laschek. Pucks Given in partnership with Blades Belong on Your Feet and the Hockey Art Co. present a career spanning Europe, North America, and now calling Invicta Dynamos his home. A distinguished career for a distinguished gentleman. Stano Laschek, welcome along. Hello, guys. How you doing? You okay? I'm all good. Just finished my gym session. Came back home. I'm talking to you. Yeah, Loving yeah. the day. Beautiful sunshine out there, so... What else you can ask for? <laughs> is, it, is it training day today as well? It will, uh, yeah, it is. It is, but we got weekend off as we had busy schedule last three weeks. We got this weekend off, so I'm trying to build better shape on for next two uh, week. Um, we got 14 days to practice to play uh, former champions Streatham. We already beat them. Um, trying, so I'm trying to get shape on the top but it's already on top <laughs> <laughs> so now i mean early stuff you're a slovakian uh, by birth did you start skating really early and get into hockey early yeah i've uh, pushed a chair with my dad uh, when i was five years old on a frozen lake and uh, my dad he's a very good um, boxer uh, back in time, 80s and 90s years, he, he used to be a champ. Uh, and he told me, play ice hockey, don't be boxer, you'll be stupid as me. <laughs> <laughs> so I choose ice hockey instead of boxing, and now I'm, now I'm here. I love it. I play well, hockey all my life. The beauty of that sport is you could probably do a little bit of both at the same time. Exactly. And this country allows you even more. So <laughs> I'm planning on it. <laughs> So your your early career in in your native land, um, then your teenagers, you went to Canada really early. And then what was that like? Yeah. Um, I spoke to a few agents when I was like 15 years old, but I didn't really know what they were saying. I was only 15 years old. And my mom, she says, don't go away, stay with me. <laughs> and, you know, every mom is like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, I, I did stay when I was 15, but 16 years old, there were more and more um, interest of me from um, the top of junior leagues in Canada, which is WHL, OHL, and Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And I, I ended up playing against Sidney Crosby two years in Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and I loved it. So I just took off, packed up, flew to Montreal, Somebody picked me up. I didn't know any English <laughs> back then. I was I was really lost. And within six months, I was able to actually speak to people. I did love it there uh, for many years. But there were plenty of injuries. It's a hard. It's even harder than here. There is lots of fights, but there is lots of hitting. And yeah. play, player like me, playmakers, 
and people that wants to spoil other teammates by nice pass or final pass, they have to, don't get me wrong, but they have to go through even harder times than some fighters on the team because sometimes you just drop the gloves for 30 seconds and that's done. But us playmakers, we, we play 20 years in, in hell. People are body checking us, cheap shotting us, and we have to stay on the ice, stay, stay making the team, winning the games, uh, stay stay in the top line and throw them passes around, go to the net, get them hard, cheap shots and body checks in the corners, uh, and you still, you still, um, still get called by other people pussy, and I don't think it is. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I suppose no. the, I mean, people would say the downside in the UK is you don't get a great deal of ice time, but then the flip side of that, in some way like Canada, where you're getting a lot of ice time, you're on the ice more, so the training is harder, the hits are more regular, and it's all swings and roundabouts then, isn't it? This is, I, this is what I think, and I speak to people in English Federation or somebody who is involved, that English talent is high. It's the players that play in this league and leagues above, they have lots of talent. It's like NHLers. You have so much character, desire, and, and, and taste of hockey that not many people have in Germany or France or Italy or, or places where you're actually losing the matches on world championship. I think English English players are better than that. It's just a little bit of more of, um, development is missing here. I think there is not much people coming out of junior hockey to senior hockey and that is why you are hurting on the top of the top of the table yeah yeah i mean the the team gb have just made it back into the the sort of the yeah. top level at international level but as i've discussed with a few other people i think they're going to have to make an olympics and and then the public might really get behind it wow that would be awesome i, I seriously i am the biggest fan of gb hockey i i never will be i never will be english I speak perfect English, but I never will be English. And I always support English because you guys are healthy and very, very strong personalities. You go for what you what you want to do. But in in hockey, we need more young kids coming into into the men's hockey uh, category with 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 uh, confidence, not mm. just standing there on the bench, you know. And when you when you do that, you will have three, four extra players every year coming into the top level of hockey, and that's when you can compete with Olympic teams. Mm. Well, I mean, after your um, your short your stint in Canada as a youth player, your captain Harrison Lillis asked me to ask you about this. Uh, you you went to the World Under Twenty Championships, and you finished fourth in the rankings of of the points with some pretty big names. Yeah. Um, so, what was that tournament like for you? Oh, it was uh, it was hilarious from the day they won. First, we we got to the airport where we were missing the luggage, and uh, uh, we were missing a uh, few guys. <laughs> they, they just disappeared somewhere. Uh, uh, which one do you talk about? Because I went to two. I went one in Vancouver, one in Minnesota. The Minnesota, in Vancouver, Minnesota, Vancouver, Minnesota. We were missing luggage. Vancouver, we were missing guys. <laughs> it was it was just chaotic, and and uh, we really had a good team. We had Yaroslav Halak in the net. We have we had uh, we had some really superstar names. Well, including me back in time, I was I was ranked to go to NHL top two lines, but then I had broken jaw and on two different places, and I had concussion where I couldn't really like even eat for almost six months and I lost 25 kilos and the NHL teams just lost the taste of me but this uh, this tournament we me Evgeny and Malkin we used to we, we stay in the same hotel and me and Malkin we we went on the balcony we talked and he says Ah, here we go. We're going to NHL. You're going to Tampa Bay. I'm going to Pittsburgh Penguins. I said, no, no, man. There's lots of work to to do before we get there. He says, no, it's done. It's done. And I even signed a contract before he did. And he is now 
Hall of Fame and I never played a game. So injuries are injuries, you know. And when you play hard, you always find people that understand it from the hockey, like you and others. But when people don't know what hockey is about, they, they might just doubt you if you were ready for that time, you know. Yeah, well, it was the, the 2005 NHL draft. It was fifth round, eighth pick, 133rd overall uh, to Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah. They gave you a jersey, 46, I think it was a jersey number at Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, never made an appearance. But what was that well, level like in America? It was just a year after the Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup with Martin St. Louis, Vincent Lecavalier, Brad Richards, uh, Danny Boyle, uh, Vinnie, Vinnie Prospo, uh, Cubby Bullen in the net, Pedro Tenko. They were superstars in there, and it was a paradise to play ice hockey in. And I went to Tampa Bay, Florida, and hey, mate, it was like 35 degrees outside, 35, 35 Celsius. People were wearing shorts, and we were hard working in the Tampa Bay arena. <laughs> it was like somewhere in Disneyland. And it was a year after they won the Stanley Cup, I repeat. It was just fabulous. It was the best time of my life. But uh, there was massive competition. Like, I couldn't even make it to the fourth line because they, was, they were that good year before. And I went to the American Hockey League. I worked hard there. But then I got puck in the jaw, broke my jaw again. And general manager just said that I am just too weak. I'm not, not reliable. And they don't really want to resign. So I went back to Europe. And I, I, I don't get him wrong because in three years, get four concussions. It's it's not fun. You know what I mean? No, no. Even, just... even, even, even if he loved me to the bits because I was better than Krejci. I was better than Radulov. I was better than Giroud, Claude Giroud, captain in North Senate. I was better than these guys, but just injuries came one after other. And what can you do? Yeah, yeah, and like you say, the, the physicality needed by the the players, like the the, yeah. the playmakers, is almost harder than the enforcers. It is. It is. Like I said before, it, it, you guys should look how many body checks and cheap shots people get from playmaking, mm. and how many punches you get from a guy like Milesy in one yeah. fight. <laughs> in, in, in one fight, you get maybe three, four, and you lay down. Yeah, but I get another eighteen of body checks in the game <laughs> so it's not easy you know what I mean so, uh, what would you say was the most competitive country or league that you played in I think it was Canada I think that that place is it's like a base plate to to ice hockey it, you, you can even go to Canada and get a five dollar bill on the back side of five dollar bill and there's a kid playing hockey on the lake mm. so <laughs> Hockey is a natural there. It's a tradition. It's something like, seriously, it's, it's a vicious thing. Uh, everyone knows how to play hockey. I even went on Christmas time to play friendly much with my neighborhood friends. And I had a hard time to compete with them. So everyone knows how to play hockey there. It's not easy. It's lovely. And I think Canada is the best place for hockey players to go to. That's mm -hmm. what I choose when I was 16 to travel there. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it, love it. It's uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite countries as well. Toronto is one of my favorite places in the world. It so, I'll, uh, yeah, as soon as I can afford it, I'm getting back out there. I tell you this much: if this place can get more snow over the winter time, could could be really could be really similar to Canada. Yeah. Well, from your time in England, I mean, you you sort of moved around a little bit with Sheffield, Milton Keynes, um, and down in the southeast here within Victoria, Chelmsford. Have you ever played on the frozen field near Peterborough? Never. You haven't? Never, uh -huh. never played. Never played there. I've heard about a few, few events like this happening. But in Canada, I went, I went in everyone that was available and I had time to go to, to join. But here in uh, England, I have not much had fun like that yet. Yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of one until uh, I, when James Pentecost, when Pence was on, Last year, he said that this farmer would purposely flood his field in the winter oh. and it would freeze and everyone would go down there and play shinny. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Oh, we used to we used to lose uh, soccer fo uh, football for soccer, for like a football 
We used to use and play kicking, no hockey sticks, just football, just playing <laughs> with the skates on. It was it was destroying. It was dangerous and stupid, but we still did it. It's crazy good. That I mean, you've said that you think the the talent amongst the English players is just is getting higher and higher and higher. Um, I mean, media wise, obviously the the elite league doesn't have a, a TV contract anymore. They're streaming their games online. The national league teams all stream their games online. Some of the uh, South One and North One teams do. Um, there's a bit more media coverage now. There's podcasts like like this one, um, YouTube channels and whatnot. But how do you guys like that as players? Do, do you enjoy all that side of it? I think it's very good to get a fan on your side. That's when when I first uh, experienced it. It was with Sheffield Steel. That was during Spring Cup during um, COVID nineteen. We uh, we stream all the games and we had even more income than we had during the games when you don't stream. Mm. Uh, it was twelve pound a game, and there were so many families that wanted to see the game, but they couldn't go because of the virus. And we we did love it, and we could actually bring it into this level of hockey that some people are on wheelchairs, some people are tired, or they are working hard or they are doing night shifts. They have all kinds of troubles not to join the event. So we we kind of like it, but not many teams wanted to do it because they, they thought it's not going to work out. And as we started to do it, it went crazy, and everybody wanted to just watch the stream. I don't want to go to Arena. I want to watch the stream. I said, no, no, no. Let's go, baby. We're going to watch the game. And that's the difference that you want people in the stands. You want crazy crowd. You don't want somebody having a pizza and, and beer all night long watching the stream. So it, it, either way, it's good. But I think there is lots of people that they are uh, in a late age or they are just this mobile and the stream is very well. I love it. Yeah, I, th- I think the streams are great. And whilst I think I don't think it will ever affect the the gate because people love going to hockey the atmosphere is incredible and there's nothing like watching it live um but it's really i think it's for the away fans because i mean you might have a rink for instance like chumpsford you get a thousand people in there but there's only like 40 50 away fans there might be more that want to see the game so they would they could then buy the stream so yeah i do see the the benefits of it but the i mean with the the media stuff as well because there's an awful lot of like the social media and the audio visual stuff that's training what was it like being mic'd up at training? Because Invicta have got a, a fan in Freya McCune whose her work is incredible. <laughs> and you yeah. mic'd up at training was was pretty good fun. Um, sometimes I wish they would put it on me without me knowing it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I would act like a, like a person that's got 37 years of age. Because uh, sometimes I just come to be a child. I love it. I want to make people love hockey. I want to make people bring their little ones to the ice rink and, and just push them until they love hockey just as I started to love hockey. And 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 I grew up in that refrigerator arena all day. I was there. I, I, can't, I couldn't wait when I can go skate. When all the guys just led me to touch the park, to pick up the parks after the practices. All that was just just about... This little media wise help support where you where you see somebody who understands what he's doing, but you just still want to. You are at the end of your hockey career, which I I don't never want to say that, but at the end you still want to bring some people with you into into this hockey ring and says like don't don't all of you play football or what your PE teacher tells you to do. Just go out there and find some crazy stuff like hockey or snowboarding or, or, or whatever you think of, you know. But mm. there is nothing nothing more faster and nothing more dangerous in the world than ice hockey. And I, I do sign for it. <laughs> it seems to be winter sports in general. Winter sports are just nuts. It is. It is. Look at the extreme sports on the, when you when you download some stuff. I'm the biggest fan because I can't do them all my life because my contract don't allow me to join other sports because you can break your leg and be out. Yeah, of your life. I mean, like the the ski jump. 
how do you figure out you're good at that? And you can always miss it, you know, like <laughs> the ice is slippery, weather conditions, whatever, you know, it's just crazy, extremely good. And this is what we, this is what we do every day. We, you know, in Europe, like in Europe today, you see all the teams have ambulance car outside of the ice rink. All the teams are aware of that. If I ever hit somebody very hard or somebody hits me very hard, there will be someone to take care of. Here in England, you don't have it. And you might not have one in two hours to come to the ice rink when you get hurt. So it is, it is, let me say, for crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's the, most teams have got their own physio. So if you, if something happens on the night, you've got sort of, you know, something there, but it's, yeah, no, funnily enough, I never noticed any sort of St. John's ambulance or anything like that outside the rink, which most amateur football Ben, it's not allowed to start an ice hockey game in Europe now without having a car outside that can yeah. bring you to hospital within 20 minutes. And yeah. here it doesn't exist yet, and it's, it's not right. No, no, I agree with you. That's something that needs to be looked at. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but mic'd up for training was was a good experience, was it? Yeah. <laughs> so, in, in your future, obviously, you've just said, you know, you, you don't like to talk about the your career coming to an end, but... Would you ever look at coaching? I want to, but it takes so much. Like I look at Carl, my coach, Lennon, as a, as an idol, as an example of what I would like to do one day. And it's not easy. Like it takes so much. I've been looking for this for a long time, and I so many times I give up. I said to myself, like you can love hockey as much as you like. Like even Wayne Gretzky, look at him. He was a coach. Yeah, he ended up a GM. Mm. He was working uh, working out for him. Patrick Roy. Patrick Roy, he was a coach. He, he ended up not coaching anymore. Uh, you know, there is some people that they play ice hockey very well and love it so much from bottom of the heart, but they will not. They will not be a coaches because maybe they love it too much, you know? Uh, and the hockey god doesn't allow you to cross that line and says, you know what, you just go away. There is other life waiting for you out there. Don't be a coach. Go away. And sometimes I feel like this about myself, but sometimes I go out there with little kids on the training session and I see all these beautiful smiles and the cheeks and, 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 and the, this little energy that, that, that sprays at me. And I'm like, wow, I, I want to be coach. I really want to be coach. You know, I, so... And Carl and me discussed this before, and he says, you know, do one thing. Don't be a, don't be a coach and player at the same time. Be a coach or player. Yeah. It's the hardest job. It's the hardest job in the world. You take your shoulder pad off your body, stand up in front of your teammates and friends and tell them something that you're probably going to do exactly wrong next shift you step on the ice in the because you just speak to somebody else about something that you could have done, it's going to happen to you. So it's not right to be a player coach. I think you should be either player or coach. And uh, Carl, Carl, our coach, he, he packed it up and he, I think he's better coach than when he was a player coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's much better coach. But you're not done being a player yet, are you? So. No, no. For another, until my health is there, injuries are not coming yet. I think I have some few years in front of me and I am excited and motivated. I, I still find new goals I score. Sometimes I score goals and make moves that I've never done in my whole life. And that shows me that I am still welcome and I love it. Yeah. Have you got uh, one particular season out of your entire career where you look at it and you're like, that's that's my best season? That is that is a good question, and I think it is the one that I was in. That was my in second year, second year in Canada, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, when I competed with Sidney Crosby for the best scorer of the of the CHL Canadian Hockey League. And uh, Sidney Crosby got injured in November with concussion. He got slashed in the head or something. And and he was missing 20 games to go to the World Junior Championships. So in November, he got injured, and there was a World Junior Championship in December. 
So he didn't play any games till December. And I was healthy as nobody. And I was picking up the points. I was like maybe around 24 points ahead of him before World Junior Championship start. And then we went to World Junior Championship and there were all the scouts were there and I was 24 points ahead of him. <laughs> so I was just like big king there, right? And then what happened is he came back after World Junior Championship and he just put up six points every game. <laughs> he just catch me in, in the whole January month. He was a rookie. Uh, no, he was the best player of the month or whatever. He just catched me in the one month. But I was still ahead of him by four points until March, April. And then he just went crazy again. So I think that was my racism of hockey that I ever had. And I was 18 years old. And it was my second year in Canadian hockey, CHL. You can see it on my stats in my list prospects. Yeah, I've got them up here, yeah. I got injured too. Well, after the new, after the World Junior Championship, I got injured also with concussion. because it's crazy, crazy rough there. And I missed a few games. So Sydney catches me up. Radulov catches me up. But I was still first when I came back. And then just before the end of the regular season, they, they just passed me over because I was exhausted. I just trained so hard and my concussion was just killing me. And they just passed me over. But I still did well. Uh, it was my best season of my life. Yeah. Wow, that's and, great. And, and also memorable season. It was my first season in EPL for Milton Keynes Lightning, for Nicky Poole and Lewis Clayford. That train is actually a champion now. Yeah. That I scored 50 goals that season with the preseason games and all that. We scored, we scored, I, I won all the awards on the presentation night first year. And it was it was also memorable. Like every game was just beautiful. Was it, how was it when you come to England? Was it harder than you expected or was it exactly what you was expected? I mean, I am looking at your stats here when you joined Milton Keynes yeah. Lightning. Stats wise, it's an incredible year for you. Did you yeah, did you sort of come here and think, yeah, I've, I think I've found my my place now? I had lots of pressure. On I I came here, coach picked me up at the airport, just dropped me in some place, told me tomorrow is practice. So I came there, and I started just drilling my little basics. You know, working on my skating, crossovers, shots, cutbacks, and then I looked at my teammates, start to get to know them what they like, what they don't like. And within two weeks, I was not even wondering about anything. And I thought, this team is awesome. I thought, there's nothing to worry about. So we had a great run. Adam Carr was our captain. And what a hell, a hell of a guy. What a captain to really play for. Ali Jameson. There was plenty of guys to mention. Ross Bowers. Uh, plenty, plenty beautiful. Beautiful. Um, uh, characters, but um, uh, it was just uh, it was just that English hockey that I couldn't get understand that we we played and and it was all about just up and down ice hockey. There was not much of uh, chemistry between players. There was all about it was all about skating up and down the ice, and then as the season went on. The hockey changed. And I'm like, wow, I love English hockey. You know, my idol when I was a little kid was Pavel Demetra. He died in a, he died in a Yaroslav tragedy. And he, he was the guy that says to everyone around the world that hockey is not about real. Hockey is not about some book that you always read and you know it from your head. Hockey is about reactions about surprise about always men on men battle no sometimes you just have to leave it so just fuck it don't give a you know sorry about language that's no, right just just fuck it and leave it play what you think it's right to play and when you get caught just read your book and play your basics <laughs> but you know it it is it is what he was like, and I really stood up behind him and played this hockey until today, and I still do. <laughs> That's great. Uh, for for a sport that you you clearly love, um, do you follow the NHL? Are you a Sharks fan? 
Yeah, I'm biggest biggest Sun Hoka shocker, and nobody really knew who I cheer for. Cause every time I play uh, away, I came home. My mates from neighborhood asked me, "Let's watch hockey. Let's watch hockey." And they watch Montreal Canadiens, Montreal Canadiens, Toronto Maple Leafs, Detroit Red Wings. They never asked me who's my favorite team. I was happy not to say it. But now I'm happily saying it. It sounds like a shark. I just love the color. Yeah, I, like, I love the color scheme. The color scheme's amazing. I, it's different than any other. And it looks like a beautiful clear water in some paradise beach side, you know? And when I was like 10 years old, I said, if I play NHL, I'm going to play in this beautiful ocean side. I yeah. didn't know the players. I didn't know what the <laughs> ring looks like. I just liked the color. And since I love them, you know, and that that is only why I love some of the shots. It's not because of what they do. It's because of the color of yeah. the shirts. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously then, again, a sport that you love so much. There's been many sort of theatrical films that have been made about this this fantastic sport. Have you got one particular favorite? Yeah, the Toronto Behind Scenes. Oh, the, the Amazon do- documentary. Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs behind the scenes. I think every team in NHL should do a movie like this. Mm. It, they should show because it, it's not easy the life of hockey player, pro athlete like that in NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, wherever they, wherever you play, it's just a proper, it's proper work time. Even if, when you go sleep, you don't work. Everywhere else you go, you're working. It's not easy. The people and the fellows that they earn this money, they do earn them. And it's a shame that some people just call them spoiled kids, you know, or something even worse. These kids are really not not like other kids. And I've been there. I I broke the I broke the I broke the silence so many times and I said, like, let's go out, let's enjoy ourselves. And this is what we don't do. You know, we, we, we have to stay healthy. We can't go skiing with your grandparents. We can't go to a summer party with your best friends and swim on the lake uh, and you are drunk. We, we can't do that because it's so risky and you can lose your contract, you can lose your reputation or even health. And this is why I, I think that all the teams in NHL should show more of these movies, what the mm. people do for a hockey team all day and every day, 24-7. And when there is an off-season, like you could see Las Vegas had an off-season how, how long? One, one, one and a half month? One yeah, and what, a half month. What are they doing in that eight or six or eight weeks? They were just celebrating their Stanley Cup for one and a half month and straight back to the gym. So that is that is what we're doing, and sometimes people just don't understand it. Yeah, I, like I think it's, it's something I think as well that we're seeing more at this level. We're we're seeing like with the work that Freya does. There's uh, a couple of guys at Slough uh, BA Ice Media that are putting a lot of stuff out as well, because I think you know the fans feel so connected to the players at this level that they kind of want to see what it's like behind the scenes. They want to see what you guys are going through day in, day out, what what your game day routine is like and, you know, just your normal day because, you know, some of the guys are working big, hard jobs and then training late at night. It's hard work. It is, it is. But it, it's 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 a fashion, you know? Like, you, you wake up as older kids and you go to the gym or you, you go for a jog. You, you know, you do your family uh duty so there's plenty of other things you can do but a hockey player is different you you have to find that one day a person like Freya and, and the stuff she does is uh, priceless because uh, after this season people will find out that even in this job what we do is a heroism it's something that is massive and we don't do it for this media thing. We don't do it for you to broadcast it or to tell it to people. We do it for ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> so basically, in, in the end of April, you just wake up from this all chaos and mass massive attack of fans and, and your mates from other teams or your teammates coming over saying, let's go, let's go. Out of, 
out of all these eight, nine months, you just wake up and you say, I'm going to the seaside and heal my injuries. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> and you stay there for three months. But the boys in NHL, they only have one month for it. Yeah. So it, it is it, it is something that really people should look at. And then maybe one day just be cheering, not tripping. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of questions that have come from, from a couple of the listeners here. Oh, sorry um, about that. Nope. <laughs> Uh, Harry Andrews, a Chelmsford fan, uh, has asked, what's the favourite team you played for? My favourite team, my, my biggest favourite team was Sheffield Steel Dogs. Maybe you don't know, but I've, I've seen the biggest team spirit in that team. Mm. These kids grew up together from day one. They they grew up together. They were like a little toys. <laughs> Just talking to each other. They were fighting. They were loving. They were... I never had more events during the year than Steel Dogs. And I never had more of attitude as I like to have with, as I had with Steel Dogs. So I think Sheffield Steel Dogs was the best team I ever played for, even mentioning American Hockey League. Maybe not organization. Organization was very lost because the, the, the team is in that ring that is not their ring. And it's like different, but mm. as a as a team, it was the best team I ever played for with with character and uh, attitude, with a shape, with a heart of hockey. It's Sheffield Steel Dogs, even better than Springfield Falcons or Norfolk Admirals. Uh, I would even compare it to to a team like that wins a trophy. Yeah. And, and they proved it. After I left, we, we, we won one trophy together. We won that COVID Cup together. But after I left, Jason Hewitt came over, took over with Greg Woods and Ben Morgan, and they run into the championship finals, and they won it. So I think that's the best team I've ever played for. And I always have a faith for this team. It's a very good team. But I never seen anybody so friendly. You can you you could call them anytime and they ask them questions or help or, or they could call you. They felt comfortable to give you a call, to give you a funny message. I don't get that from other teams. Yeah. You know? Other teams are more like suspicious and wonder wondering about shall I speak to this guy or no. But there it was <laughs> like a family. Bang, 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 bang. It was beautiful, man. And I, I, I miss the guys. And as soon as I get a little bit of free time, which I don't have, <laughs> as soon as I get that, I'm going to see them boys. And That's they great. have, they lost Alex Graham, they lost Andre Fayet. So they are also very hurt. So they lost me as I came down to London. But they are very strong people and I miss them. Yeah, they put on a fantastic tribute to Alex Graham a couple of weeks ago at home game. They they raised the twenty one Graham banner into the into the rafters and and yeah, paid a lovely tribute to to the young man. Um, Charlotte Lidico has asked, "Who's your favourite player on the Dynamo's roster?" Favourite player on Dynamo's roster? Yeah. It's um, probably Ryder. Yeah, Owen Ryder. Owen Ryder. Super. It was it was different guy before. It was uh, Richie Harris. Richie oh. Harris was my favorite player last oh, season. Is, is it everyone's was. everyone's body idol? <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> he looks he looks like one of them kids on the on the class uh, wall when you are learning about biography and <laughs> anatomy. He's proper jacked up. Like I don't think he, there is any fat on that kid. But <laughs> uh, he is a really nice guy, and he plays hockey hard, and he makes me really laugh about some stuff that. Uh, 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 is in in the ice hockey life, like on the ice. He, sometimes he makes me move to places where I never move as a high ice hockey player. But he's that big and he does his job. He, he he really was my favorite player. But last season, uh, Owen Ryder took over. He's done massive job for us since uh, beginning of December last season. Yeah. The end of playoffs, he was the biggest impact I think in our team. And uh, that is why we made uh, we made cup champions, and that is why we made it as clear to 
Celtic teams almost finals. We mm-hmm. had a little troubles there, but he was one minute left of the game. He was three one. We were three one up against Solon. It was basically because of him. He was just a wall since January until the end of the season, and even this season he's showing massive impact. So I think Owen Ryder is my favorite player. You were you were involved that Milton Keynes playoffs two years on the trot in two incredible semi finals because with Chelmsford the year before you scored the third goal against Bristol and I think there was seventeen seconds on the clock and it was three nil and it went to overtime. Yeah, it was crazy. Me and Michael we were standing on the bench. Michael Korenko, the other important, I said to him like, "If we're gonna fuck this up, we're probably gonna create hockey." Like we are all over them. We are so much better. But during the season, this is why I was saying this to Michael. Because during the season we played in Bristol and we were also four goals up. Or maybe even five. And they still beat us in overtime. Mm. Or they know they beat us in regular time. I think it was eight, eight five or something, wasn't it? I think it was... cra- crazy, crazy. But we were first two periods, we were all over them. They couldn't even touch the park. We were dominating the ice hockey game. And same thing happened in Nothing Kings with James. We were so much better than them because we were hungry, we were motivated, we were just better. And then they just came back in two minutes, they scored three goals. And I said, Oh my God. And then um, Cameron Barlet came in overtime and just win it for us. And I, I jumped into the glass stage and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quitting the hockey yet. <laughs> oh, you saved my career, buddy. And uh, anyway, like it was the best time. It was the best time. And last season, meeting Victor, I mean, something happened that should never happen. It was the hockey god was against us, I think. We played so hard, and even this season, if we go there, we play even harder. And that goalkeeper from Southampton, from Crossbow, he he was he was just a he was just a guy that I couldn't beat. I I took like the best shots at him from behind the players, from behind the shin pads, massive wrist shots, and somehow I couldn't even see my own shot. That's how fast he went. He still had the glove there. Still had that blocker there, that shoulder there. I'm like, this is not my game. I'm like, Haas, Haska, you got the score. And he scored the third goal. Wow, 3-1. We went to we went to two minutes left of the game and we still managed to push the whole thing and Haska to your back. <laughs> it was yeah, it was I mean that was an incredible turn of events at the end of that playoff thing. I think, because uh, I spoke to to Chico from Solent a couple of weeks after the playoffs, and I think he knew that was his, he was retiring, that was his final weekend, so he, he wanted to put a, put a show in, and he certainly frustrated you in doing so. So good he is. And he did, I, I always, I always match up with this goalkeeper. I always try, try to be better, try to be better, try to be better. But that, I know they are better. They are on top of their games. So I try to make someone else better. I, I make a final pass. I make an open net pass. But he was that good. This kid was the best goalkeeper in the league. Even if I love my goalkeeper, Owen Ryder, to the bit, this kid, outstanding. Mm. He was just, he, he was he was the gospel itself. And he was so good. So good. Well, my final listener question comes from uh, your former equipment manager at Chelmsford. Bear. He wants to know why did the beard go? It seems to be coming back now, but why did it go? I went on Christmas time to my grandma's house. She said, Who's that guy? <laughs> when she saw me, I'm like, That's me, grandma. She said, Hey, Mary, what do you look like? I'm like, I, I just, I just, people love it. I love it. I don't feel cold during, during the morning, freezing morning time. She said, No, no, it's not going to stay there until under my hood. I'm like, it's gonna no no. <laughs> then then me my granddad, we opened the like 25-year-old whiskey bottle and we drink it all. And then we opened some other one. We drink even that one. And my granddad fell asleep and I still felt I still felt like doing something. And my grandma took me to the bathroom, 
put some music on. I fell asleep and she just shaved me off. <laughs> and I've got it filmed, but it looks so ridiculous because I am I am after one bottle of whiskey. So I, I can't show it to you. But I it was it was not it was not uh other other. It was it was something I didn't want to do. I've got to say that is not the answer I was expecting to that question. Yeah, that's incredible. Last Christmas time, and and she even shaved me in the halfway. I woke <laughs> up, I looked like retard, so I had to I had to shave back. I had to shave myself better, and I went to the I went to England, and I said I'm shaved. All the fans were like, "What's all these shirts about? Fear yeah. and all that." I'm like, oh, "I'm sorry, I'm going to grow it back up. Don't worry." <laughs> <laughs> But Stano, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. When I started this podcast, you were one player I absolutely wanted to get on. You were um you might owe me seventy quid for a Chelmsford jersey that, that's no longer relevant. But I'll take it for dinner, mate. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Like steak. <laughs> <laughs> I will see you very soon indeed, mate. Thank you very much. No worries. Have a good time and um well come to see ice hockey, guys. Love you. A massive thank you to Stano Lashek for giving up part of his afternoon to talk to me. Really interesting. Was not expecting that answer about the beard. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic chat. What a, what a true gentleman. Uh, that will also be available on YouTube later in the week separately, of course, as, as well as the rest of the podcast episode will be on there as well. Right then, let's get to those fixtures. Fixtures for the coming weekend. The Oxford City Stars and the Streatham Redhawks go head-to-head with a two-game series starting Saturday on the high road and back to the Oxpens on Sunday. Make sure you get your tickets in advance for those. The Solent Devils host the Chelmsford Chieftains on Saturday at the Devils Cauldron in Gosport. Slough Jets host Milton Keynes Thunder at the Hangar. And on the Sunday, the Chieftains return to the Riverside to host the informed Jets. A weekend off for the Dynamos and the Bucks, so not a full programme of games this weekend, but plenty to keep us all excited. So much hockey coming up. Obviously, we're going to start getting towards the end of the little League Cup start now, where everyone playing each other in that. I just want to thank you all so much for listening to the episode. I really hope you enjoy the chat with Stano Lastrek. That will be available on YouTube on its own a little later in the week, uh, as well as all the coaches' thoughts will be available all there separately as well. So, looking forward to next week's games. I'm going to be down at Gosport on Saturday night for Solent Devils against Chieftains and then back at the Riverside for Chieftains against Slough Jets on Sunday. So, we'll get match reports from all of those games over the weekend. As many of the the goals on video as we can get. And next week, we will also have a cracking guest. This one, a little bit more really for Chelmsford Chieftains fans. We'll have former Chieftains player and now business coach, life coach, just an incredible repertoire of stuff. From, uh, from Will Polston. So really excited to talk to Will about everything that's going on with him and, of course, discuss his hockey career, his recent appearance in the Josh Batch testimonial as well. Uh, and then there will also be a bonus episode next week. So that will be the main episode 47. We'll have all the match reports and have Will Polston. And then episode 48 will come out later in the week, and that will be a women's hockey special. where We'll be uh, talking to a female referee. We'll be talking to someone from the EIHA, uh, and people involved in the Her Game 2 movement as well, as we try and really get a boost on women's hockey in this country. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. This podcast is hosted by Spotify for Podcasters. It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. You can follow on all the social medias. It's at Zero Pucks Given for YouTube and Facebook, at Zero Pucks Given Podcast for Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, at Zero Pucks Pod on X, and Ben Hyde ZPG on Snapchat. Follow us on all of those, and you will not miss a thing. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.